Good afternoon and welcome to Talk of the Towns. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works and seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns has aired on WERU Community Radio since 1993, dedicated to the proposition everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I'm your host, Ron Beard, hoping you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. And just a reminder that during the pandemic, we're recording this show in advance and we won't be taking any calls today. Well, chances are, if you live in Maine, you know your town clerk, the person who takes your property tax payment, issues your fishing license, registers you to vote, and opens your town meeting. Town clerks have a special place in our towns to connect and coordinate and help things move along. And so we're so glad that we have um, some town clerks from four different towns here. Um, We have Liz Graves, a town clerk from Bar Harbor. Claire Wolfolk is a town clerk in the town of Mount Desert, Maine. Heather Cormier is the town clerk in Deer Isle. And Jacob Gran is clerk in Bucksport. And well, let's ask each of you to introduce yourselves a little bit and um, give a little bit of background and how you came to be a town clerk. Who's the who's the most experienced among the group? Is that Claire? Um, I have been town clerk for six years. Um, and before that, I was an assistant clerk. So I don't know who's got more than that. <laughs> Well, I'd had over 25 years of clerical experience, and my family relocated up here to Mount Desert Island, Maine, and uh, I was just looking for a job, and I thought, well, I have clerical background. They're looking for a town clerk. I didn't really know much about what a town clerk did, but um, I applied for the job, and they hired me to work in the clerk's office. Great. And the, the rest is... Fly by the seat of my pants and learn on the job and MMA training. Sure, sure. Well, we'll come to that training in a, in a few minutes. Um, how about you, um, Liz? T- talk about your journey to become a, a town clerk. Um, hi, everybody. This is very exciting to get to be together. I have been a town clerk in Bar Harbor since May, um, which is not very long. <laughs> so, so we always say, in, in this job, it takes a whole year to not even, it doesn't mean you're experienced after a year, but you haven't seen any, you haven't seen everything yet until you've done it for a whole year. Um, so I joined um, the town about six months before that as deputy clerk. So I was working for Sharon Linskett, who was awesome. Um, and she had been clerk for three years. Before that was Pat Gray, who was clerk for 20 years. And before that was Gene Barker, who was clerk for 30 years. So um, really, really amazing uh, lineage that we have. Um, I came from the media. I was the editor and a reporter at the Mount Desert Islander newspaper. Before that, I uh, was a varnisher at Morris Yachts and a schooner bum and a community organizer and a few other things. So but I've always been interested in local government. Um, in fact, when I was a kid, I don't know if anyone remembers the computer game Sim City. It was before the Sims that had people in houses, but there was a Sim City, and you were really the city government in figuring out raising and lowering taxes, uh, whether to build a stadium where you needed streets and and water and sewer, 
Uh, it was super fun. And I actually, my mom challenged me to make a SimCity version of my city, which is Palo Alto, California, and focus on different things in, in different scenarios and then deliver it all to the real town government. I didn't do it, but the challenge stuck with me. So here I am. Well, Jacob, how about yourself? Um, how did you um, start um, becoming a town clerk? What was your path? Well, um, actually, it's kind of a funny path. I was playing golf with the former town manager of the town of Winterport. Um, and he said to me while we were on the golf course, he said, you know, Jacob, we have a we have a vacancy at uh, at the town office and I'm I'm surprised that you didn't apply for it. I think it would be it would be a good job for you. And I said, well, honestly, I didn't know anything about it. And so at that point, he had already hired an individual to fill the position. And, you know, then and there, I didn't think anything else of it. Uh, And so a couple, probably three or four weeks pass and I get a call from uh, the former town manager. And he says, "Uh, look, Jacob, the, the individual that I hired didn't work out. And uh, I would like you to come down to the town office and I'd like to talk to you about this position. I said, well, okay, I can do that. And so I went down there and he said, look, I think it'd be a good career path for you. I think you could go a long way with it. And I'd like to give you the job if you want it. So it's the only job that I've never actually applied for. uh, And uh, I'm awful thankful for his uh, I guess, faith in in me as an individual. And, And he was right. It's, it's uh, something that I am passionate about, and I'm I'm thankful to to be in this pro- profession. Um, I've been in the clerk world for five years now. And uh, when did you when did you join um, there at Bucksport? I've been in Bucksport for three years, and prior to that, I was in Winterport for two years. Great, great. Well, how about Heather? Um, give us a little of your background. How did you become town clerk in the town of Deer Isle? Well, I was the admin assistant at the high school in Deer Isle, and I loved it, but I started having allergy issues with the building, and just about the time I decided I can't work in the this building anymore, my sister-in-law, who was the town clerk for the previous ta- 10 years, got a job with Hancock County um, in the commissioner's office, and so she said, Heather, you should apply to fill in the rest of my terms. So I was like, okay, perfect timing. So I did. And that was about five and a half years ago. And I learned on the job. I had a week training and then a great treasurer, tax collector who'd been there for over 30 years and her deputy who is now the treasurer tax collector. And they were patient and fun and funny and with May municipal training and their help. um, I'm still there five and a half years later. Great. Well, why don't you give us a thumbnail sketch, if you could, of, of Deer Isle? I think many of our listeners will know Deer Isle, but um, just give us a little picture of, of who lives there and how do they make a living and, and that sort of thing. So we have a population that floats around 2,000. And for the last 100, 120 years, fisheries have been the dominant, has been the dominant issue. I mean, industry in Deer Isle. Um, Before that, it was farming and going to sea. Um, The town was, well, it was settled in 1765, and then it became a town in 1789. And so those have been the industries 
But in the mid 1800s, we started having seasonal people and tourism started in the, in the 1900s. Um, those are hospitality and tourism are beginning to be a fastly growing industry. We do have a lot of artists and artisans and the demand for trades over the last few years has really uh, become a thing. Carpenters, masons, plumbers, electricians. Um, still predominantly a fishing community. Lobster fisheries and clamming. And there's some aquaculture happening. Uh, uh, Jacob, a little bit about um, the, the uh, uh, Bucksport as a place. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about Bucksport. And you certainly have, have not been there um, while the mill was in operation. That's, that's gone. But um, how has Bucksport evolved from, from that time? Sure. Um, yeah, Bucksport has just, we have just shy of 5,000 residents. Uh, and as you said, Ron, back in 2014, um, Bucksport faced the mill closure. And I think prior to that, Bucksport was always thought of as a mill town. Uh, and at that time, of course, it was very devastating for the community to lose the mill. Uh, and I think that there was perhaps in some instances, the thought of where are we going to go from here? What is going to happen? We've always been a mill town. What are we going to do from here? And uh, the community really has has most certainly bounced back between their heart and soul project and Main Street Bucksport, uh, our Main Street businesses. Are, we have a lot of businesses in town. We, of course, have Whole Oceans on the former mill site, uh, the uh, Salmon Farm, which is um, still, of course, in the works. But that is uh, a very promising uh, pros uh, project for the town. Um, and of course, as far as where, you know, the community and the people in the community, we have, um, you know, banks and insurance agencies and supermarkets. And so a lot of a lot of people work right in town, whether it be in the school system or, or various other places. A lot of people are able to stay right here in town, which is a great thing. Mm. Well, let's move to, to uh, Bar Harbor. Liz, um, a little bit about um, the town of Bar Harbor, which many people will have, have kind of uh, visited, but they may not know um, all of the, the details. What would you say to listeners? Sure. One of the easy ways I describe it with no numbers is that we live in a, in a pretty small town and a much bigger one without having to go anywhere. <laughs> so uh, 2020 census, our population was at 5,089 down a hair from the 2010 census. The During the tourist season, which um, is ramps up earlier than it used to, um, early May now, not Memorial Day, and lasts well into the fall, uh, there are many more people than that here, not even counting the visitors, but there are, there are scores and scores and hundreds and thousands of um, seasonal workers who arrive um, in order to um, staff the businesses that serve the many, many, many thousands of folks who come visit. Um, so I was interested about the question about uh, industries or what, what people do. And I went and found the, so this will answer a little bit for Claire maybe too, on this part on jobs that in 2018, the Island Housing Trust and the towns worked together on a on a big comprehensive study about housing and, and workforce housing and included the industries that people work in. So the top few were, um, the biggest is professional scientific and technical services. So a, 
all of the jobs at the Jackson Laboratory in Bar Harbor, I believe, are in that category, except for the 300 that are animal production. That's its own category, crop and animal production. <laughs> so here's the Jackson Laboratory, of course, breeds um, mice for research. Um, and then just under about the same number on MDI work in accommodation and food services. So those are those are the two big ones. There's a lot of folks in government. There's a lot of folks in healthcare and retail and construction, like Heather said. So that's our that's our mix. Claire, a little bit um, about staying on Mount Desert Island. Of course, there are four um, towns mm -hmm. on Mount Desert Island, and and the town of Mount Desert is one of those. A little bit of background, if you could, from from your town. Okay, uh, this was interesting to me because recently I was looking through our records that were over 200 years old as I'm working on a project to um, restore and um, preserve those records. And I came across the, um, the document where we became a town from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts back in 1789. I don't know, I got goosebumps all over because it was the original document with the original signatures. So it was, you know, like having these names that you still recognize in the communities today, their descendants. And it's like, oh, I'm, it's like, I have a piece of this person here. So it was really cool. But like I said, we incorporated in 1789 from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts before Maine became a state. And um, about 10 years or so after that, the population was growing, and so the eastern side of the island was incorporated into Bar Harbor. I believe that was 1796. And then around 1830, they created towns uh, for Cranberry Isles and Mansell, which is now called Tremont. I guess originally the whole island was the town, and then we broke up into smaller towns from that. So that's where we were in the beginning. And uh, to echo Liz, I just kind of went through and said, well, most of our population works at Jackson Lab, um, probably uh, in the hospital. So that would be your, your uh, scientific and research and medical people. And then we have a lot of people that work at the COA um, College of the Atlantic, and then um, teachers here at either the high school or the elementary school. And then there's a large population that are still earning their living as lobstermen and fish fishermen and women. Um, and then we have local merchants and self-employed people. And our census numbers came out and we have 14 more people than we did in the 2010 census. We're at 2114 now. Great. A growing community. And of course, all of you have the mix of folks who are um, still working and those who are retired. They make a, up a, a big part of your population. Again, let's uh, stay with Claire. Uh, Claire, how would you describe the, the, the work and the functions of the town clerk's office? Uh, because you have not just yourself, but other folks working with you. But what are those basic functions? Well, um, I would say in, in our town, um, the clerk's office is really the hub I guess, or your center of the town where everybody comes in to get things done for them. But we work with, you know, the code enforcement officers right down the hall, the treasurers right there, the tax collectors right there. Um, 
So we, we don't have individual offices, like most of the departments will have an office where they can actually, you know, close their door. But our office is sort of open space and we work, you know, with the public that way. And most of what we do, um, or most of what I do, is a lot of record keeping. I keep all the records for the minutes and um, town meetings, and et cetera, like that. And then I swear in uh, appointed officers or elected officials. Um, I run the elections and um, we take care of all the vital records and preserving those as well. I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff because we all have like five or six different hats that we wear. Yeah, take and collecting money for taxes. Great. That and so let's let's go to Heather in Deer Isle. Um, how would how what else would you say about the functions of the town clerk and the town clerk's office? So in our office is just two of us, the treasurer tax collector and me. I'm her deputy. She's my deputy. So we both do everything that's involved. Registrations, licenses, elections, um, genealogy research. I mean, everything that comes through the door. That's what we do. <laughs> and so, yeah, in many ways, you're the face of the community, um, as as uh, Claire said. Those you're the people that most um, townspeople would see when they come to the town office. Absolutely, and that's one of the best things about the job is at least once a year we get to see everybody. <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> Jacob, would you add anything else to the kind of list of functions that a town clerk and a town clerk's office might play? Not much that I can really think of our office. Um, we There are five of us in our office. You know, we also handle an ambulance billing, uh, sewer, and, you know, utility billing. Um, but each individual, you know, in our office really has their own, you know, set of tasks. Obviously, we're all responsible for, you know, individual uh, residents who come in and that we wait on over the counter but i really nothing more than what claire and, and heather have said and liz what would you add to that I, that mix anything liz yeah i did uh in january i had to give a presentation to our town council and warrant committee as part of the budget process about what the clerk's office does and so i went to our um town main town and city clerks association um and found this wonderful quote from a 1934 textbook about what a town clerk does. It's no other office in municipal service has so many contracts. It serves the mayor, the council or select board, the manager when there is one and all administrative departments without exception. All of them call upon it almost daily for some service or information. So there's also uh, inside, you know, helping the rest of the town government. Its work is not spectacular, but it demands versatility, alertness, accuracy, and no end of patience. The public does not realize how many loose ends of the municipal administration this office pulls together. Great. So, uh, again, 1934, that was probably when there was beginning to be a kind of a professionalization of yeah. the function of town clerks. Um, I, I can imagine that in the, um, those early days, 1789, um, people were kind of making it up as they went along and, um, you know, borrowing from Massachusetts, certainly the those colonial traditions. Um, but then in the 1930s, and I think that's when the bureaus of public administration came into being um, taught at universities and, and uh, that sort of thing. Um, let me just remind our listeners that you're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking about that essential role in Maine communities, uh, the town clerk's office. Uh, you've just heard from Liz Graves, 
Graves, town clerk in Bar Harbor. Also, Jacob Graham, town clerk in Bucksport. Heather Cormier, town clerk in Deer Isle. And Claire Wolfolk, town clerk in Mount Desert. What is what is the training like, um, the, the kind of formal training? All of you have mentioned the um, great importance of on-the-job training, um, sometimes serving as an assistant before moving into the, to the town clerk's role, um, your predecessors. But what about formal training? And I believe you mentioned Maine Municipal Association as having a role there. Who would like to, to give us a um, – Liz, you're, you're the most recent um, town clerk. What's What's been your formal um, introduction to the duties? Yeah, it's always a, a interesting balance of having to make time away from doing the work to learn to to step away and do a training to get better at doing the work. So that's a that's a push and pull. But yes, that sometimes the Maine Municipal Association overall and also help with help from the Maine Municipal Association, our Maine Town and City Clerks Association has a classes that they put us through and then we and we redo. I mean uh Jacob or, or Heather or Claire might be able to say more about the certification process because I am very much not there yet on on how that works. Jacob, what what is that process like? What's it been like for you? Well there's a certain each class that the Maine Town and City Clerks Association offer offers. Um, basically there are four required classes. I think it's Title 30A, Mm -hmm. Vital Records, Records Management, and I think maybe Title 21A are the four required classes that that we must take. And then there are also optional classes. Those might be classes put on by the Maine Municipal Association. They might be classes put on by the MTCCA. Um, And so there's a certain, each class is uh, awarded a certain amount of points. And I believe we have to have 100 points before we can go for certification. Uh, and once you have achieved the, the required amount of points, there's a, a uh, written test to take. And uh, once mm-hmm. you pass the test, you receive your certification at uh, the MTCCA's annual meeting. So that's right. a brief outline. Claire, what do you remember about some of your trainings? What were the things that were most intriguing for you? Um, in some of these trainings or educational sessions? Well, I was working, uh, as Jacob described, towards my original certification when the year before I knew I was becoming the town clerk. And I remember being on the road almost as much as I was in the office that year um, taking classes. I, I think the most amazing thing I learned was exactly how much and how involved the work of a town clerk is. It's much more than anyone would realize. There's all kinds of laws and regulations you have to follow, and they're always changing and updating, so it's a lot to keep up with. And as Jacob mentioned, there are uh, required classes so that uh, with the elections, we have to take those elections classes every two years. Um, And it has been a little difficult during COVID getting the required classes, but um, MMA and the Secretary of State's office has been uh, creative in ways for us to maintain that. And I am currently working on my lifetime certification, which should be up next year. So it's exciting to, uh, and you keep taking classes, even if you've already had them, and you pick up on stuff you missed the first time or two around. Uh, it's just so much information. And how about you, Heather? Anything 
particular that you remember or recall um, from your training? Sure. <laughs> I'm not, I'm this is not a test. Like, this is I not like a test. Trainings are my least favorite, but I really, uh, there's some I really enjoyed, which like record management and, and it's always nice to meet people there and hear about their experiences. Um, I just got certified this past year. Um, and so I've taken a lot of classes and, and Claire's right. They did a great job making opportunities available for us during COVID and it was nice to actually be able to sit in my office and take classes instead of having to drive to Waterville or Portland. Mm-hmm. Or sure, sure. I think we've all learned a lot about um, how to do things more efficiently, but it does take away from some of the ability to um, have camaraderie at those kinds of sessions and learn in between the formal things. Before we turn to the, the notion of, of elections, uh, you've mentioned, some, several of you mentioned that you have uh, kind of co-responsibilities with the tax collector. Some of you may be tax collectors um, in a joint position. Tell us a, a little bit about that function um, with, within the town offices and how your office relates to that. Can we start with you, Heather? And, and you've got the smallest staff, I think. Um, how, do, how does that work for you? Sure. Well, as I said, we're each other's deputies. So I'm the deputy treasurer tax collector. And as far as customer service is concerned, she's in charge of registrations. I'm in charge of licenses, but I will do registrations when we have a line, if we have a line, um, we share duties. She'll sell a clam license. I'll register a boat. Um, all the treasurer stuff she does on her own and all the rest of the clerk stuff I do on my own. But the customer service we share. Well, um, any any other comments about how those functions relate? How about you, Claire? Um, how does it work in the town of Mount Desert? In our office, we do have someone who is a tax collector. And then one of my clerks is also a deputy tax collector. And so between the two of them, they do all of the tax collector's duties. Uh, the rest of us, I have another deputy clerk and myself, we all take tax payments or take field phone calls of people calling to find out how much left taxes they owe or, you know, real estate companies calling. So we're all able to field those calls. Anything different, Liz, in, in the town of Bar Harbor? Yeah, Bar Harbor does have a slightly different um, setup, partly because some things there are way more of, uh, like we're a wedding destination. So in June and in October, my deputy clerk is, is pretty much full-time vital records administrator. And uh, so for that reason, we're set up separate from our finance office in Bar Harbor. Our finance director and tax collector and uh, three folks at the front desk over there do, uh, we are, we are get to be a little more specialized. We do all the licenses, yes, but um, the finance stuff, no. And I know, well, I think we'll get to this in a minute, but some clerks are uh, both clerk and registrar of voters and some are not. Mm-hmm. So that's another slice that um, that people have. Anything different in Bucksport, uh, Jacob? In Bucksport, uh, the town manager is technically the tax collector, but there's somebody in my office who is the deputy tax collector who does, you know, most of the administrative side, such as 30-day notices and liens and whatnot. Um, I tax collector is not uh, something associated with my title, which I can't say I'm upset about, Ron. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I can certainly, you know, take phone calls, look up what people owe on their taxes. But uh, we have somebody in our office who really handles all of that. Are, are people grumpy when they pay their taxes? Or, or you know, what, what's, what's the general? You said you don't really like 
playing that role, Jacob. But is that because people are kind of grumpy about that or, or not? Uh, well, I mean, they certainly can be. Uh, <laughs> not always. Right. Um, but uh, it's just, uh, there's a lot to it. Being, there's the, you know, a tax collector role is all about following a calendar, such as with your 30-day notices and your foreclosures and and all that. So it's, uh, it's, there's a lot to that side of the, of the municipal world. Sure. And again, I think what we're, we're helping to, hoping to share with um, listeners is that there's so much that's not seen. It's kind of hidden from the average person, but it's really necessary to keep the wheels of, of the, of local government kind of turning and uh, being responsive um, to citizens. Well, let's, let's turn to the notion of, of, uh, um, uh, elections. And we've certainly seen more attention paid to elections these days. And the regulations change, the customs um, you know, of, of having town meetings um, are still in place. But talk a little bit about the, the, the role of, of town meetings and separate them, if you would, from a, a town meeting, which are, are coming up um, for some of you this, this month, um, uh, the month of March and others in, in other months, versus um, federal and state elections. Um, how do those different? Um, uh, Liz, you, you mentioned that, um, that role. Why don't we start with you and have you describe what you've learned? You haven't been through the, the full cycle of a year yet, you said. So what are you learning about the whole election process? Yeah, so uh, I was interested to read this week news from elsewhere in our part of the state that some towns that are set up as town meeting towns are uh, contemplating going a different direction. So voting on the budget at a town meeting is is quite, I think, unusual probably in the country. I don't, I don't know that, but it's, it's certainly still the way a lot of, a lot of towns in Maine operate for Harbor is always uh, when, when people take the town meeting and elections, which is 21A, right? We're always just sort of sitting in the corner because we have a charter and, and our charter has us do things quite differently than, than some other towns that just follow us that um, take their marching orders from state law. One of those things that's different is a bifurcated town meeting, which is a, a mouthful. And it means that we have an open floor town meeting on the first first Tuesday in June. And then the following two, the meeting um, recesses but does not adjourn and continues on the second Tuesday in June for a secret ballot election set up to coincide with the with state and federal elections. And when we call, when we have a state or federal election in November, we off that's when we call special town meetings if we need a special town meeting, and that is a secret ballot only. How about uh, town of Deer Isle? Do you still have a March town meeting, Heather? I'm not sure. We do. This Saturday, in fact, we have secret ballot in the morning from 7.30 to noon. And then in the afternoon, we meet at the high school for an open town meeting to vote on the budget and the requested article. How about Bucksport? What What's that like for Bucksport? Bucksport is a a town manager, town council form of government. So we don't have an open town meeting. Uh, essentially, the uh, citizens place, place their trust in its elected leaders when they're elected in November. And the elected leaders, along with assistance from the town manager, kind of enact the day-to-day business of the town, uh, you know, approving the budget, so on and so forth. So our municipal election occurs every, uh, every November. And um, how about uh, Claire? It's the situation like in the town of Mount Desert. Okay, we're also a bifurcated town meeting town. Um, we do it a little bit different than Bar Harbor. 
We have our candidate, and if there's any referendum questions that need to be voted on on a written ballot, like this year we have the local liquor option, and by state law we're required to do that by a written secret ballot. So we will be having referendum and candidate elections on the first Monday in May, and then the next day, the first Tuesday in May, um, following the first Monday, uh, we have the open floor town meeting. And um, the last couple of years were very interesting. Uh, we let Bar Harbor figure out how to do a open floor meeting at the high school in the parking lot where it was drive-in and everybody stayed in their cars. And so since they worked out all the kinks, we followed suit for the last two years and had our town meetings outside. But this year we're back in the school. And um, th there's a there's a very detailed process for holding those town meetings. Um, uh, the town clerks, at least in Bar Harbor, gets things started and then um, yeah. turns that over to a moderator. Does that work um, that way in in the town of uh, Deer Isle as well, Heather? Yes. First thing we do in the morning is elect a moderator, and then the moderator oversees the secret ballot election. And then if the clerk is reelected and I'm running unopposed, so I hope I am, um, he'll, he'll swear me in at the open town meeting and continue to run the open town meeting. Can I um, say my favorite thing about town of Mount Desert town meeting? To give, give some credit back to their having figured something out. So they have this wonderful, they had this great idea, and I think it's been a number of years now, and it really works. Folks who run open town meetings know that, uh, especially if they're in the evening or but maybe, or if they just go along, people will uh, filter away, especially if there have to be written ballots that people cast in person, that that's really hard to get people to sit back down and shut up so we can you can move on to the next thing. And the way Mount Desert um, devised to do this is to have raffles of some door prizes. So everybody has to sit back down and shut up so the moderator can draw the prize for the next thing. And it, it makes town meeting that much more fun and go that much more smoothly. It was really genius. <laughs> That's great. So in terms of federal elections, state and federal elections, um, there's a whole process there um, as well. Um, when people are coming, um, first of all, you're registering people to vote and then um, bringing them into the um, election hall and certifying um, results. Uh, who would give us a short, very short course on those responsibilities of a, of a town clerk? Well, Heather, why don't you why don't you see if you can get started? What's what's your role in terms of state and federal um, elections, both those registering people to vote and then when the voting actually happens, counting people and, and checking them off? So um, I register people to vote up until the election and on election day. Some elections, I think when we had the marijuana issue, I registered 54 new voters that day, which is unheard of in Deer Isle in one day. <laughs> um, I have, I always have two election clerks, a Democrat and a Republican, and they check voters in and hand them their ballots and the rest of it. Um, and I have a warden who sits back and watches us to make sure we behave ourselves. And then the rest of it I do. Uh, Claire, what would you add to that? Is it is it more difficult to find um, election workers these days? Are we are we seeing some retirements and then having to recruit um, uh, folks in? I'm very fortunate in that I have inherited a group of very seasoned election workers 
Some of them have been doing it over 25 years or 30 years. Uh, so they know their jobs. They know it very well. And my first year or two of trying to do the elections, they were very helpful in helping to train me. Um, but now I am trying to find new election workers and, and train them up. Uh, and so far, I haven't had a problem finding enough to staff an election. But presidential elections tend to be the hardest because um, you need more people. There's a lot more traffic on those elections. Um, I don't know. I would say that uh, we just work really hard on um educating our voters as to our processes and our balances and checks that we do so that they feel comfortable in the election results. Um, I would say we also, I piggybacked on uh, Liz again this year. She has used what we have a DS200 uh, counter for the ballots in an election. And this is the first time I'm going to use it for an election this spring uh, for a town election. Um, so she really helped me uh, get in contact with the person that you have to code the ballot for to get them to print them so they work in the machine. But that's a big difference between town elections and state elections is that you, you have that machine to do the count for you, which really helps at the end of the night. And because it was so easy this time, I'm thinking, it probably cost me about the same to hire, you know, three teams of counters as it does to code a machine to to do the work for me. So I'll probably be going that way for the future in town elections. Ryan, listeners, they're tone to talk of the towns, talking about the role of town clerks, an essential role in main communities. Just heard um, from um, Heather Cormier, town clerk in Deer Isle, Liz Graves, town clerk in Bar Harbor, Claire Wolfolk town clerk in Mount Desert, and Jacob Graham, town clerk in Bucksport. Um, anything different in Bucksport in terms of your connection as town clerk with the election process? No, as far as state and federal elections are concerned, we all follow the same rules. We all have the same responsibilities. It's just that maybe our, our administrative processes might be a little different given how many residents we have and the size you know, of our elections. Um, I came from in Winterport. Winterport was a hand count town uh, and coming to Bucksport. Bucksport is a tabulator town and I could not imagine going back to a hand count town. So, Claire, I can, you know, I hear what you're saying. You're you're not going to be disappointed, you know, having your town <laughs> election being tabulators. But um, so, yeah, that's Bucksport, you know nothing different. We have um, our, our elections happen in uh, our elementary school gymnasium. Um, I have a great crew of very seasoned election workers, uh, and I'm very fortunate to, to have never had a problem um, recruiting people. And how are each of you, um, how do you get to your position? Are you Elected? I can't remember that. Are you elected? Um, appointed? What's what's the the way? And, and how do you relate to the rest of town government? Um, do you report to anyone, um, or do you report to the voters? Um, Jacob, how does it work in in Bucksport? In, in Bucksport, I am appointed. Um, um, the town manager hires me, and then the town council technically appoints me. I am accountable to the town manager and in a, in a sense to the town council as well. Mm -hmm. um, but mainly the town council is the town manager's boss 
the town manager is my boss. That's sure. The, I sure. think that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Liz, is that about how it works in Bar Harbor? Yeah, the uh, town manager appoints the clerk and the the council signs off on that appointment. Um uh, the clerk is technically a department head, although I'm I'm, I'm definitely sort of the, the junior department head among the really amazing crew of folks that I work with. And I, I only have one direct report, a full-time person who works in my department with me. So our department is a little appendage off the, the town manager's department, whereas all of the other department heads oversee larger groups of people and do different things. We work more closely with the manager. So we're kind of off on the side of the org chart. Claire, anything different in the town of Mount Desert? Um, we pretty much are the same as Bucksport and Bar Harbor. Yeah, I can't really think of anything different reporting to the town manager. I do have two clerks um, reporting to me only because our office takes care of not only tax collections in motor vehicle registrations and inland fisheries stuff. So, so we do all of that in our office as well as all the town clerk work. And how about um, you in, in town of Mount, uh, in Deer Isle, Heather, anything different in how you're appointed and so on? So I'm an elected clerk. I get elected every year. And, um, and as does a treasurer tax collector, the town manager is appointed, hired. We work with the town manager and the uh, select board, and the select board's very, both of them. The town man- manager, Jim Fisher, is really great at lending a hand anytime we need something. In fact, he's setting up voting booths for the election this weekend. And the select board is really supportive in our training and anything that we need for our office. So you've mentioned the, the, the technology um, simply of, of counting ballots as one change that's, that's happening um, in main towns. Um, and you, some of you have, have referenced um, clerks who was, were on the job 30 years. They would have seen perhaps greater changes. But in your, in your tenures, what kinds of changes have you seen in technology and how the work of, of the town clerk's office has changed? I suppose um, computerization um, technology has, has certainly at the forefront there. But um, how, how does it work? Um, if, if I go in and get my fishing license, Liz, um, uh, is that different than it was um, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Uh, somewhat. I often think that our um, uh, databases and and the state um, departments that the town clerks work with, um, Inland Fisheries and Wildlife, for example, and also Animal Welfare for dog licenses and then Vital Records um, is under HHS. Well, two of them have online licensing and and ways to do some of the work online. I'm often struck by how often I need to go back and check something in the paper records anyway. So I'm super grateful to have databases and have some help from the computers and have some help from the computers sharing information back and forth. Just this afternoon, before we got on the call, I am off one dog on my on my report for January. So I got to I gotta find that dog before I send our check to the state. I'll find it. But that's a case of going through going through paper records to find our errors. So Jacob, any any changes that you have seen or are are, are anticipating um, in technology and, and how things are done in, in town clerk's office in Bucksport? 
much of this was in place prior to me being a town clerk, but, you know, there's a, a multitude of changes. I mean, the issuance of, uh, you know, ATV license, recreational licenses and registrations. I came from uh, a hand ta- a handwritten town where we would write out all of the um, ATV and uh, snowmobile registrations. And then in Bucksport, well, actually, in Winterport, we moved to the electronic format of printing those things off. So just that in itself is, is was quite a substantial change when that was uh, implemented. Also, um, the change of going from paper-based marriage licenses and the marriage application process to all online uh, in our in our state vital system doing our marriage licenses through that system that was a a big change that happened back i think in 2016 i believe it was uh and so there there's just a multitude of changes that that have happened that you know i'm sure clerks 50 or 60 years ago probably couldn't imagine some of the some of the software that we have in place now Mm. anything from uh claire any change that you've seen or anticipate mount dessert Well, there's always changes to the software programs and some that we're we're waiting for, like uh, with the IF&W system for boat registrations and fishing licenses and ATVs. They keep saying that they're working on a new program and we really wish it would come about. Uh, (laughs) But until then, we're still using their old one. Um, And like Jacob said, to me, the biggest change has been with all the vital records um, becoming available on the state's website for us to go ahead and access and print been fantastic because um, we used to have to type everything up on a typewriter. And it was about two or three years ago, I finally retired the typewriter. We don't even have one in the office anymore. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> And and how about um, Heather and, and Dear Isle? Anything that's that's coming along that you're working on? So we, when I came in 2016, everything was handwritten. I think the only thing that we handwrite now are dog licenses, and I'm trying to figure out a way to get away from that. We do offer online dogs, and COVID forced us to offer online auto and boat registrations, which has which has been nice. We were concerned that we wouldn't see anybody anymore if everybody did their registrations online, but we still see a lot of our residents and and people who really need to who forget until, you know, they're out of date a day or two and then they have to, it's been good. Good. And talk about uh, vital records, um, if you would, someone kind of, um, uh, that's an important function that, again, I think most people would not understand um, is so critical to the town clerk's function. Um, Heather, how how does it work for your office, vital records? So um, any births after, I think it's 1995, are in the the state database, so that if someone comes in and wants their birth certificate, it's very easy to print it off. and deaths, I think around 2011, anything after that, I can print off in all marriages now, which I'm so thankful we're doing marriages that way instead of with the typewriter, which was still there when I started. Uh, we still have to go back to the vault for anyone who's coming in for, for anything older than that. 
that's sometimes interesting because the state sometimes gets Deer Island Stonington mixed up. So we sometimes have to go to Stonington to find our vital records. But uh, the database, the state database has made things so much easier. Anything to add, Liz? Were you trying to yeah. add something? Yeah, please. Sure. Uh, I had a couple of thoughts. So one is that I, our staff often goes back and forth with Claire's staff for the same reason that somebody actually got married in Northeast Harbor and they remembered wrong and they thought it was it was Bar Harbor or vice versa, um, which is an interesting part of the process. Uh, well, a couple of things. One is we used to have a courthouse in Bar Harbor. And so there are people who physically had their divorce hearings actually in this room. Um, and they so it's reasonable to think they could come get their divorce decree here, but they can't. It's all now in Ellsworth. Um, but so something a lot of folks don't know is that um, a there can, um, everyone can request vital records from the state as well as from municipalities. That's, I think, not well understood. Uh, and the state does have an online system, um, which not all towns do. Many towns don't. Uh, for a birth, for example, uh, the birth uh, certificate is um, can be requested from the town where the mother was resident at the time and where the birth actually occurred. So, you know, here at MDI Hospital, we have a lot of folks who are born there, but the parents live in Ellsworth or Bangor or Lemoyne. So say a baby born in Bar Harbor to Lemoyne parents, that birth certificate would be available here and there. Um, I was also thinking about, this is related to both this and the previous question, that uh, a big advantage of faster electronic records and communication between us and the state agencies we work with is that we can often provide much faster service to customers. For example, if we have to make a correction on a marriage, I can go in and then call the colleague in Augusta and say, this is in there. Um, would you mind going in and approving it? Or sometimes I don't even have to, she's just approved it right then. And then I can issue the corrected record faster. That happens a lot, but that happens with liquor licensing too, which is we get busy with in the spring that I can email back and forth with our liquor inspector and say, hey, they, this, this uh, restaurant has expanded their deck this far, uh, emailed you the, the liquor license extension application. Does it look okay? And she can send it back, right? Well, uh, we're coming to the end of the hour. It's been a very quick hour. Um, maybe two, two more questions. The last question will be what's most satisfying about your work, but um, what would you want your citizens in your towns to, to most know and appreciate about your role in the town clerk's office? What is it that, that, that you think um, folks need to know? Liz, can we start with you? And then we'll go around um, again, Liz. People are generally happy to see us and we are Almost so we are happy to see our residents, as, as Heather said. Uh, of course, people are get in situations that they're unhappy with something. Um, often, uh, I feel like we need to have a sign on the wall or on ourselves that says uh, we didn't write the laws. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's our job to enforce some quite complicated things. For example, how to prove that you're a resident in the place where you're registering to vote. The statute's quite vague. Um, and there are there are disagreements about how to interpret what's okay and what's not. Um, so we're doing our best. That's I guess one big one big thing to highlight. And uh, we do really like seeing everybody and and serving them. Claire, what what would you want your citizens to know about the role of the town clerk's office? Well, I think um, number one is that. Um, 
there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. And we get a lot of, especially summer residents saying, oh, you must be really quiet and not have much to do in the winter. And we're like, no, that's when we get all our work done is in the winter when not everybody is here. Uh, So I would say that. And um, also I would echo that we really uh, find often our residents, even though they can do work online, like renewals and registrations, they prefer to come into the office because they want to see their clerks and they, they like that interaction, the personal interaction. And we love to see them too and catch up on what's going on in their lives. Great. Jacob, what would you add to that in terms of what citizens you'd like citizens to know? You know, I, I kind of struggled with the question, Ron, as I was thinking about it, because uh, to to ask, you know, what what we would want the citizens to appreciate would almost make it sound like I don't feel appreciated. <laughs> and I think that the the role of the municipal clerk is one that's very quite interesting because I'm not the I'm not the person in municipal government that's sending someone a tax notice saying you know, you need to pay your taxes or else. I I don't, I don't handle that. I deal with, you know, you know, someone rejoicing at the, uh, the birth of their firstborn child as I'm issuing them their birth certificate or celebrating with the couple as I'm issuing them their, their marriage license or mourning with the resident as I'm issuing them their death certificate. And so the town clerk's role, I think is one, although we don't always feel it, is, is a role that is quite appreciated and quite respected in the community. So I think that's really the best way that I can answer that question. Great, great answer. Heather, briefly, um, anything that you'd like to have folks know about the role of town clerks and their office? Well, they said, the other three said, you know, pretty much what I was thinking. The only thing I would add is I just would encourage me my residents, if they need help to ask, because even if it's nothing we can do, we can find someone who can help them. Great. Great. That kind of, you're the, you're the face and the, and the open door in your community. Okay. One line, because we're running out of time, one line, uh, what is satisfying about your work? Uh, let's uh, stay with Heather. What, what's most satisfying? Being able to solve a problem for a resident. Claire, what, what about you? Well, I would say, um, what they've already said what I was going to say, but I would say that each clerk lives his or her mark or legacy on the town. And uh, it's whether it's through their services that they provide their residents or the preservation of the records. Um, it's very satisfying to know that you've left a mark on the town and hopefully touched somebody's life um, through all their, their life processes. Yeah, my, my word is teamwork. Um, across municipal staff and also, of course, with elected and appointed officials and the rest of the town. It's pretty cool. Great. And Jacob from Bucksport. Very quite simply would be helping residents. Great. Great. Thank you all so much. We've come to the end of the hour. Be sure and join us from four to five on the second Wednesday afternoon of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found in the archive section of the WERU website. If you have comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at news at weru.org. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests, Claire Wulfel for the town of Mount Desert, Liz Graves, town clerk in Bar Harbor, Heather Cormier from Deer Isle, and Jacob Graham, town clerk in Bucksport. 
Thanks to um, our uh, underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown and Joel Mann for engineering our program. Stay tuned for Ralph Nader Radio from 5 to 6 and Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg from 6 to 8. This is Ron Beard, producer and host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good afternoon. <laughs>